Welcome to Conversations with Maggie Lenz. That's me. I'm your host, a photographer obsessed with helping women lead unapologetically. On this show, you will hear not only from me, but from other amazing women who inspire me and are making a difference in the community. What does that mean, leading unapologetically? To me, it's leading from a place of authenticity without apologies. In other words, not seeking approval for being yourself, what you care for, and value. My goal with this podcast is to inspire and help women develop powerful confidence in themselves and recognize the value we bring to the community and the world as a whole. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, pursuing a career, or growing your business, we are here to build each other up. We are bilingual speakers and want to bring value to both the English and Spanish-speaking communities. Some shows will have a Spanish label when we have a Spanish-only speaking guest. Let's learn and grow together. My guest today is Monique Rode, born in the beautiful country of New Zealand. She has performed to audiences of thousands worldwide as a professional musician. She has worked on an album with some of the most well-known spiritual teachers of our time, like Thich Nhat Hanh, Eckhart Tolle, just to name a few. This is fascinating. She lived out of one bag traveling the world for 13 years, including almost four years on a motorcycle riding through India alone. She's a master at teaching you how to calm your mind and live a happier life. Hello and welcome to the show, Monique. It's so good to have you here with us today. Can you please introduce yourself. Um, I know it's morning for you and your day is just starting out. It is afternoon for me. <laughs> Can you please um, tell the audience um, a little bit about yourself? What are you up to these days? And where in the world are you in today? Absolutely. So wonderful to be here. My, I am down in New Zealand. As you can tell, I have this funky little accent and I usually am living in the United States, but um. December last year, things got just a little bit too crazy. And I came back home to New Zealand for a little while because you're probably aware we have no uh, COVID here. And so it's been just wonderful to come home and just connect back in with my family and my friends and, and live a relatively normal life at the moment down here in New Zealand while I while I do my teaching. So my I teach people, basically what I do is I teach people how to be happier and I think that's what we all want to do. And I have um, a series of courses, a meditation course that's used all over the world, including in 70 different universities and colleges. But I have a series of courses, some that uh, you can just go onto my website uh, and access and some that I teach live. So uh, it's all about teaching. And luckily, I'm very fortunate to be able to be continuing to do that from down here in New Zealand. Ah, that is so wonderful. New Zealand. I would love to visit your country one day. <laughs> That's in my bucket list. Absolutely. It's it's stunningly beautiful down here. And I know that they um, did the Lord of the Rings there. And that's one of my favorite movies. Well, if you could see the view out of my window right now, you would. Uh, pre we're pretty much looking out onto the area where a lot of the Lord of the Rings was filmed on the lake here, uh, Lake Fakatipu in Queenstown. So it's yeah, it's a it's a wonderfully beautiful place to be, and pretty much everything you see in the Lord of the Rings and all of the beauty is what it looks like here. 
Oh, what a beauty. As a photographer, I you cannot even imagine what is going on through my head right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, it's a wonderful place to photograph. Now, how did you, I would love for you to um, talk to us a little bit about your background, like going way back. How did you turn your life around from being a suicidal 19-year-old to having an extraordinary career? And now you get to call yourself the happiness specialist. How did that um, happen? Well, I, you know, New Zealand's such a wonderful country, but there's always a, a shadow side to everything. And the, one of the shadow sides in New Zealand is that we have a high uh, rate of child abuse. Unfortunately, there's a lot of questions as to why that is. A lot of um, research is put into why it's such a problem here. And unfortunately, I was one of the statistics of that. So I, I grew up in a family where I was, uh, yeah, I was adopted at 10 days old into a family where I think it would be fair to say that my mother was mentally ill. And it was very, very difficult for me in that environment. And I think probably by the time I was in my teenage years, I think it would be fair to say now, looking back, that I was suffering from depression. And then by the age of 19, I'd had to leave home at 17 and kind of be at university and, and also try to work and, you know, struggle my way through on my own. And at the age of 19, I, I just couldn't, you know, see my way through it. And I got to a place where, you know, I ended up in hospital having taken overdose, trying to take my own life. And in that moment, I really made a decision that it was, uh, I was going to try and do everything to, to understand why it was that life was so difficult for me and to see if there was a way through because I didn't really understand why other people seemed to be okay and seemed to be coping and why I wasn't. So that began, began the journey that I've been on for, uh, you know, over two decades of working with, you know, I've traveled all over the world looking at different cultures, different philosophies, trying to understand if there was a way to actually shift my happiness levels from that depression to a much better place. And to be honest, my, I didn't, the place that I've got to, I didn't actually realize was possible, but I think it's an understatement to say that I thrive. I live um, a really extraordinary life. Uh, I'm incredibly grounded in uh, the way that I am in the world with a very, very high level of happiness and and now this is what I teach and help other people to be able to be able to achieve for themselves as well. I practice mindfulness meditation and that's the practice that you teach. With so many meditation practices out there to choose from, can you tell us what mindfulness meditation is and how can people get started? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things is that we have a lot of a lot of focus on external uh, circumstances to try and improve our lives. And, and that seems really reasonable. You know, if I have a better job or a better partner or, you know, a nicer house, all of those things will make me happy. And I know for myself, you know, it's, it's just early here in the morning. One of the first things I do when I wake up is I, I brush my teeth and I take a shower and I put on clean clothes and I love my house being really tidy and I love my mm. office being really tidy but when we, when we look at all the energy we put into those kind of things, the reality is, is that, well, I don't actually live in my house and I don't live in my office. I don't 
live in my clothes. Right. In fact, if we really look at it, the place that I actually live is in my mind. And we don't, we don't ever take the time to clean out our minds. We're really good at cleaning everything else. And so what mindful meditation does is almost like I, I often see it as though there's this room you know, I don't know what it's what it's like there in Nicaragua, but here in New Zealand, you go into an antique store and they're always full to the brim. You know, it's almost like they put every single thing they can find that they've got for sale, you know, on display. And that's a little bit like what our minds are like. They're absolutely jam-packed with information and and thoughts and emotions. And we never take the time to really just be with ourselves and slow our minds down. And so learning to work with our mind is absolutely vital. It's the most important thing we can do to declutter it so that we can actually start to decrease the stress and anxiety that most of us are experiencing continuously. Going back to what you said about being a statistic, I want to tell you why meditation is so powerful for me. As I was meditating one day, this image kept showing up of this man who had molested me when I was about six or seven years old. He wasn't my grandfather, but he was my aunt's father-in-law and a person we trusted. I could see his face clearly, just as he was back then. And I said in my head, go away. Why are you showing up? What do you want? And I started crying and I said out loud, I forgive you. Please go away. The next day I found out he had just passed away. The morning or at night, I'm not sure. Uh, but I felt this relief inside of me. Not because he had just you know, passed away, but because I released that. Even though... He just did it once physically. I put that in the back burner of my mind and I can see how that affected me in my life amongst other things because I never dealt with it. After my meditation was over, I felt this sense of peace in my heart. I never told anyone about this until I was in my 40s and that was just a few family members. And of course, I told my grandmother when I was little, she was the only one that knew. Um, she was overly protective, but there are things that are just out of our control. First of all, I just want to say how sorry I am that you had that experience, Mai. That's That's big. I think it's good that it came to the surface so that you're able to deal with it and manage it. I think that for most of us, we are consistently living in the past or in the future and we're not even aware of it so we have past thoughts that or past experiences that we focus on or we're planning for the future so it's really helpful for us to understand that you know we situations like you you have just explained are really important for us to acknowledge and look at and work with but also at the same time to understand that they're finished. At some point, we have to let them go. And it sounds yeah. as though that's something that you've done. But equally, we have a tendency to be living consistently in the future as well. We're always planning, thinking about things that are happening. And what we struggle to do is actually live in the present moment. And in the present moment, 
that past doesn't exist. And of course, that past is just a, you know, it's a, it's a memory that's not even real anyway. We're very selective about what our brains remember. Right. So the past doesn't exist. It's not real. And then the future is just an imagining. And if we think about how we imagine things to be in the future, we're almost always completely wrong. So the future is equally just an imagining. So we live in these two imaginings, the imagining of the past, the imagining of the future. And what we struggle to live in is the present moment. And if we're able to stay in the present moment by learning a mindfulness meditation that anchors us into the present moment. So much of our stress and anxiety start to, to dissolve because our stress and anxiety is actually created by all of these thoughts. You know, we, we dance off into all these places. We, we start to think about something, even, even as we're talking right now, you know, people yeah. who are listening are, their minds are going off to things that they're thinking about in the past or things in the future. And so it's really good to learn how to bring our mind into the present moment because that stops our mind running off like a rabbit into all these little rabbit holes and keeps us here. And it creates an awful lot of space and calm and relaxation for our mind. And it also helps us to you know, be a lot more focused and manage our lives so much better because we stop living in a fantasy world and we start to live in what is actually happening. The only thing that is happening, which is the present moment. And that's why I love mindfulness meditation. It allows me to be here in the present moment and go within. How can people start meditation and not give up though? Because I find that many people, what they want is to transcend. And when, they, when their minds start wandering around, they give up. How can they find a meditation practice that is right for them? I think the most important thing for us to understand is, is my, if you gave me a car and you said to me, drive this car and it's a manual car and I've never driven a car before, it would be really almost impossible for me to do it. Right. And particularly if I'd never seen someone drive a car before, I wouldn't even know how to turn it on. And I think that there's a, a belief that we can, oh, I can just start meditating and I just have to kind of sit there. Like anything else, it's absolutely vital that you're taught and it's really important that you're taught from someone who's really experienced because there's also a lot of people teaching meditation now who maybe have gone to a weekend course or maybe have been learning meditation themselves for six months or something like that and start teaching. Make sure you learn from a really qualified teacher. It's important. There are so many, there is so much depth about the practice of meditation that a qualified teacher can teach you an answer that someone who's only just begun and is teaching can't. So make sure you do that. And I think just explore, like find a meditation practice that's a guided one that you like. It's really important that you do a practice that you enjoy, that you like the teacher, you like their technique. So, you know, I have a program, the 10 minute mind that I, you know, we, we I offer a, a free, you know, first 10 days to try it out, come in and try it out, come to either my probably come to my website, moniqueroads.com and just sign up for 10 days. See if you like it. If you don't like it, it's no problem, but sign up for 10 days and see if 
I'm the teacher that is the one that that is able to help you and guide you. And I think that that's really powerful because it's important that we find a teacher that we like. But mine is 10 minutes a day. When we when I first started my program, I took it to University College London, which is one of the top universities in the world. And we fully trialed and tested it there to ensure that 10 minutes was enough. And I'm a real believer that you're better to start with a short practice, just like you said, and and then build up from there because you're better to do 10 minutes a day consistently than to do anything longer inconsistently. But definitely being taught and guided is a game changer. And I do a 30-day challenge, you know, when you first come in, try it for 30 days. And I tell you, we've had no one who's done it for 30 days who hasn't seen quite a change in themselves at the end of 30 days. So you don't need to know anything about meditation. You don't need to worry if your mind's really busy or out of control. I cover all of that in my course. And I really, really love teaching people who either haven't meditated before or who struggle with it because it was a practice that I found difficult initially. So I really, I really love to teach it in a way that is as easy as possible. Yes, that is so true what you said about finding a teacher that you are going to connect with because you will feel the energy and you're going to trust them. You are going to want to learn more and stick to the training and not everyone is a teacher this is one of the many reasons why i wanted to bring you to the show i've been meditating for over 10 years i practice but i'm not a teacher absolutely and and that's fine it's like you might you might love listening to music and you're not a singer it's it's uh yeah i mean it's it's a whole thing to teach it and i understand that and some people love teaching it i never thought i would i certainly didn't <laughs> mean to become a teacher it really happened by accident for me so but it's something that i really enjoy because i i just love absolutely love seeing the results that people get with my programs that's awesome and why i highly recommend starting out with a teacher because they will help you and guide you step by step and get the results you hope for and you can carry on experimenting for yourself i will include at the end all the links for those interested in giving meditation a try it takes work but it's worth it. What would you tell other women that are struggling to love themselves? Mm, That's a great question. Loving ourselves is something that culturally we're not taught to do. Culturally, we Hmm. are presented consistently with um, marketing messaging that is designed to make us feel bad about ourselves so that we buy products. So I think the first thing I would say is that you're up against uh, a corporate machine that is consistently trying to make you feel bad about yourself. And so just to become aware of that is the first thing, to become aware that, yeah, there's a, there's a whole massive um, economy that is designed to make you feel bad about yourself. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is that, you know, self-love comes from within yourself. And it's really important to understand that no one can give you that. So I teach a course um, that I'm teaching live at the moment called How to Become Friends with Yourself. And it's really important to look at the inner critic, to look at practices, to, to start to build that relationship 
with yourself so that you can start to actually, you know, see who you are and see all the wonderful things about you. But also, most importantly, to understand that you are so much more in charge of yourself and your well-being and your self-love than you realize. And to really start to work, you know, to, to get involved in some kind of program that will help teach you how to love yourself is the most important thing. Again, there are things that we're not taught as a society. I remember when the Dalai Lama first came to the West, he was asked a question just in the first years where, where hardly anyone ever, you know, went to see him before he became famous. And, you know, before Tibet was invaded in 1959 by the Chinese, it was a completely isolated country. No one, no one from uh, outside was, uh, you know, able to get in. And, and so it was completely isolated. The culture was isolated. And he was asked the question, what do people in Tibet, how do they, manage low self-esteem. And the translator had to translate this question for him three times for him to be even able to understand what low self-esteem was. He didn't even oh, wow. know what it was. Didn't make any sense to him. And he said that in Tibet, the first re loving relationship that you have is actually with yourself. And so what that made me understand when I first heard the story was that Low self-esteem is something that's cultural. It is not a human condition. It is cultural. So if we're in an environment that is consistently telling us we're not good enough, that's what we need to, to face because loving ourselves is the most important first step that we can do in having a happy life. So look for tools, look for, look for ways, you know, to really work with that and know also that most people don't love themselves. And so, it, you know, it's really something that as Westerners in particular, we have to learn because it's not something that we're taught. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, loving yourself and it's um, changing our mindsets from the inside out. Yeah, it's really looking at how we relate to ourselves and starting to consciously build a loving relationship with ourselves in the same way that we would build a loving relationship with someone that we met that we fall in love with. You know, we do all sorts of wonderful, kind, loving things for them. The way that we talk to that person, the way that we interact with them, we buy them gifts, we, we do sweet things for them. We don't, we don't do any of those kind of things for ourselves. Um, as a practice, usually, usually we're very, very unkind to ourselves and very critical about ourselves. Oh, yes, absolutely. We are our worst critics and meditation has helped me be more aware of that and be more gentle with myself. Uh, when I started meditating, I did a seven day program, but then I was on and off. And one day I decided to make it a daily practice. I set a goal of 700 days and then I did it in the app that was tracking my progress. A few days later, after completing my goal, I forgot to do meditation. And every other week, I will forget a day or two. And I was like, oh no, I didn't want to depend on an app. Why do you think that is? Um, could it be that's why people sometimes give up on meditation? Yeah, I mean, I think that often, you know, when we are doing something that feels good, when we get ourselves into a place where we feel good, we forget the tools that got us there. So that's one of the first things. So, but also, it, it's also that thing of being gentle with ourselves. Okay, I'm going to do 700 days. Maybe I miss a day or two, or, or, or maybe I stop at 700 days. 
to not be critical of ourselves, just mm. to be really gentle and encouraging and say, okay, you missed a couple of days, no big deal. Like just start up again and be kind to ourselves in that way, I think is, is really important. Yes. And it's going back to what you were saying about loving ourselves as a foundation. I can't wait to hear your perspective on this question that I ask every uh, guest that I have on the podcast. Being unapologetically you to me means being true to who you are and what you believe in. Staying true to your core values without changing just to fit in. In other words, seeking approval and validation from others to be yourself. Was there something you stopped apologizing for that helped you level up in your business or career and life in general? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's two things, actually. One is recent uh, since COVID and one is kind of earlier on. When I was younger, I had all these kind of crazy um, ideas of things that I wanted to do. And people would say, oh, you can't do this or you can't do that. And what I started to do initially was stop telling people. I would just go <laughs> and do things. So I wouldn't look to anybody else to give me the go ahead. And that led me to, you know, for 13 years, I traveled around the world living out of a bag. I traveled all over the world. And at one point I was going to India. Uh, you know, people started hearing that I was going to India. Oh, my goodness, you're going to India by yourself. Are you crazy? And just not to listen. And I ended up buying a Royal Enfield motorbike there and, and traveling around India for four years on a motorbike. Wow. So there, were, there are lots of things that I've done that have been absolutely extraordinary. And, you know, I've really lived an extraordinary life that lots of people, if they'd had the chance, would have told me not to do. And so I think the first thing is, is to really get well with yourself and not go and seek other people's approval about what it is you should or shouldn't be doing because people are fundamentally fear-based and they're going to tell you what you can't hmm. do. And there are a few people that will actually tell you what you can do. And either opinion doesn't even matter. Who cares if someone says you can or you can't do it? All that matters is whether you believe that you can do it or not. So to really listen to yourself. And the other thing is that since you know I was in... Um, uh, I call it compassionate confinement for nine months in Los Angeles, you know, as COVID was raging through United States. And then in December, I came to New Zealand. And one of the things that automatically happened for me that I'm just thrilled about is the ability to say no without a second thought. Hmm. So I think that, you know, being in, in COVID over that time and, you know, literally being living out of my house for nine months and not going anywhere, it made, it gave me a real appreciation of what was important to me. And it's very much for me quality over quantity. So now that I'm home in New Zealand, if somebody says to me, hey, will you do this? Or will you do that? Or people ask me to do stuff. If I feel good about it, I'll say yes. If there's any part of me that doesn't want to do it, I just say no. I just don't even apologize for saying no anymore. And I've got to say that is just creating a lot of space in my life. Um, yeah, and I'm loving it. So I, I wish I'd learned that earlier. I think on some level, we all have a tendency to want to please other people. But the, the no is very loud right now. And, and people respect it. And it feels fantastic. 
Yes, it was so hard for me to learn to say no. And like you said, we have that tendency to please people and not to stereotype. Uh, but I think it shows up more in women. We have that nourishment instinct in us and we tend to say yes to everything. It, again, it's cultural conditioning. You know, we're, we're told to be loved, that we need to put ourselves um, second to everything, to everybody else. So that's part of our cultural conditioning again. It's so powerful when we learn how to say no and set boundaries. Yeah, and it, but it's also, again, loving yourself. If I sit here in a place of love for myself, it's much easier for me to be able to say no to what is not in alignment with what is the best for me. And the only way I can truly love other people is if I love myself first, you know? I mean, even, even Jesus said, love thy neighbor as thyself. And I think that's half of the problem that we have in the world right now is that we are loving people as we love ourselves. And that is a complete disaster because we don't love ourselves. So we need to love ourselves and then love our neighbors. Yes, that is so powerful. And it's like uh, the orange metaphor. When you squeeze an orange, what comes out is orange juice. If we don't love ourselves and are bitter inside, that's what we're going to give out, right? Monique, what day is today for you? I, it's Tuesday here. We are in different time zones and it's Tuesday for you. It's Monday for me. And I just found it fascinating because I am living your yesterday and I've never talked to somebody um, on a different time zone so far ahead of me. No, I'm yes, you're, you're living my yesterday. New Zealand is the first country in the world to see the sun. So wow, we see nice. that we see the, the day uh, before anybody else in theory, if you believe in, right. in time in that way, we, we see it before everyone else. So it's Tuesday here. I think Tuesday is going to be a fantastic day from what I can see already. Oh, I hope your Monday was as fantastic as mine today. <laughs> it was. Thank you. Ah, oh, that's awesome. How can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, come to MoniqueRoads.com. You'll see all of my, um, you know, all of my courses there. I also do a daily podcast to help support all my students. Uh, once you uh, come into one of my programs, you can then come into what we call Monique's Mob, where I do a lot of uh, personal kind of stuff there. I have, um, yeah, quite a lot of personal interaction with my students there. So come and have a look around, see what I offer come and join the 10 minute mind or I have another course called the happiness baseline. It's an eight week uh, course in teaching you how to raise your happiness levels. And I have a 100% success rate in raising the happiness levels of every person that completes the course. So we do the Penn State University happiness test. It's very highly regarded happiness test at the beginning. We do it at the end and there is not one person who's gone through that course who hasn't raised their happiness levels. And most people raise them quite, quite significantly. So that's also a fantastic course to come and join me in. Ooh, I would love to know more about the course. I will definitely check it out. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Monique, for being here with us today and for sharing so much knowledge and beautiful energy with us. I'm sure my listeners are going to love this episode with you. I can't wait for them to try your meditation program and start their own practice and hear from them so they can share their results with us. It's so exciting. Wonderful. Thank you, Mai. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to any of you that come across to connect with me. I, I really look forward to getting to know you. 
Thank you so much for listening today. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and family and consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell us what you think on social media. On Instagram and Twitter at MyeLens and on Facebook page Conversations with MyeLens. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Until next time, talk to you soon.